You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. You know, I'm only going to speak for a little bit tonight because I want to. We're going to. We're going to see the power of God move, and and so we're going to do this kind of quick. But I feel like this is just a cool word to 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 work in a, a, with our. Our, our series has been People on Purpose. And, and you know, I can actually still remember. One of the things I remember of my salvation, and for those that have never met me before, uh, you know, I had a radical conversion where God healed me of mental illness. I was a drug addict for 10 years. And I can remember the moment still, being 23 years old, getting radically born again. A 10-year addiction that gripped my life. And one encounter, God radically healed me. But I remember being so, if you could imagine, it's hard for you to imagine because you just know who I am now. But imagine this skinny, I think I was about 120 pound from all of the drugs at 23 years old. I, I had no friends. I was dead broke. I owed money all over the nation. I had no college degree. I had no job. I had, no, I had pretty much nothing. I was a washed up, mentally ill junkie. But I can remember this moment and it works so much into people on purpose. Is I remember this moment where I surrendered my life to God and I knew what I was. It was nothing special. It was ugly. It was destitute. It was broken. It couldn't help anybody. But I can clearly remember this moment in the beginning where I said to God, if you will take this, I'll give it all to you. And that's the whole thing about fulfilling your purpose is when you give all of you and you put it in the Master's hands and He does something incredible with it. That is all about purpose. Just like the, the great sculpture of, of, and it's a little bit X-rated, but David, you know the sculpture of David. Okay, he probably should have something covering, but anyway. But before that beautiful sculpture, it was just a rock that somebody chiseled away at and made something that now people marvel at all over the planet. And that's what purpose is. When you give all of you to the Master, and when you say you can have all of what's in me, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and you surrender it to Him, He chisels away and He makes something that is beautiful. And I've never done a message like this and you'll know what I mean because we're going to do a little bit of math tonight, okay? And already some of you are getting anxiety just because I said that, okay? Who, tell me first, who's, who are the math people in the room? Yeah, you like, yeah, okay. Okay, I was, telling, uh, I was telling one person what I was about to preach and she started getting anxiety right in front of me just because I mentioned it took her back to high school. But don't worry, we're going to have an altar call for that at the end. All you people that math is freaking you out. And I've never done a message like this, but I call this God's formula for purpose. And I want to show you something really cool that God showed me. At least I think it's cool. Uh, verse, I didn't write down what my Scripture is. I just know it's verse 10. If the guys can put it up there. I think it's in the book of Luke. Luke 9, verse 10. And it says here, let's read this. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. I love this. And he healed all 
He healed those who need, not all, He healed those who needed healing. Tonight, God's going to heal people that need healing no matter what it is. But then it says, and this is what I want to speak about, late in the afternoon, the 12, so in other words, they'd been ministering all day, bringing healing to people, breakthrough to people, miracles to people. And it was late in the afternoon, the 12 came to Him and they said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. He replied, and this statement right here, this is the purpose of God for every person. You give them something to eat. Right there, that's the purpose of God for every single person. You give somebody something to eat. In other words, you take what you've got and add value to other people. That's the kingdom purpose right there. That that the way the kingdom comes to earth is when every person takes what they've got and finds a way to give people something to eat. And that looks different in, you know, depending on who's doing it and what gifting you have. But that's right there, the purpose God. They answered, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But He said to His disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so and everyone sat down, taking the five loaves of two fish and looking up to heaven, He gave thanks and broke them. Then He gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and they were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12, everyone say 12, baskets of broken pieces that were left over. And what I want to show you right now is we're going to get a little bit mathy for a moment, okay? If that's a word. But this is the formula of the purpose of God, God's formula for purpose. Can you put up the first slide? Right there, two times five. We call those brackets, but in America, you call it parentheses. Is that right? Okay, I hate that word. But anyway, (laughs) I only heard that when my kids started coming home to homework. I'm like, what in the world is parentheses? Anyway, all right. And I want to to show you, right, we're going to look at a math equation that actually reveals the purpose of God. So two times five, right, in brackets, because there were two fish and five loaves. So what the two times five represents, okay, is you bringing what you have. See, they looked down and they said, well, this is what I've got. This is me right now. Just like me at that moment, I didn't have to bring anything more than I had. It wasn't much that I had, but I brought what I had to God and I said, what I've got, I'm going to give to you. I'm bringing it to you. So two times five, if you you look at that, what it represents is you bringing what you have to God, okay? But then two in Bible numerology, the, the meaning for the number two is union just like a marriage. So in other words, two, when you bring, the two and five represents what you have. When you bring what you have and you bring it into union with God the Father, then what happens, number five in the Bible is the number of grace. So right here, what this means is that when you bring what you have, and you bring what you have into union with God, what happens is grace is multiplied to the thing that you have. 
Because He takes what you have and now it's not just what you have, it's what you have in union with the Creator of the universe. And when you bring what you have, number two, you bring it in a union with Him, then five, grace is multiplied onto the thing that you have and now it looks way better than it ever could be. See, what you're seeing, the gifting on my life, I told you who I was 23 years ago, but all that happened was two times five. I took what I was and I brought what I was and put it in union with God and it multiplied grace. And now it looks like what it looks like today. So two times five, it represents the thing that you bring. And for all of us, that's different. All of us have something different to bring. And we all bring what our fish and loaves are, but two, we bring it into union with the Father because then He lifts it to heaven and that multiplies grace to what we have. But then the next slide is the full equation, but, but not quite answering all of it. Then can we put the next slide? Uh, actually, go again. Go to the next one with equals. To, oh, no, 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 no. You're not meant to show the two. But anyway, it doesn't matter. I should have looked at it beforehand. All right. Well, you're going to have to show. Yeah, apply, or let's just do it like that. But what I wanted to show is equals 12. So just use your imagination, okay? Equals 12. Because there were two fish and five loaves. And that's what they brought. And then the miracle happened where they fed everybody. But afterwards, there were 12, 12 baskets left. See, 12 in Bible numerology equals God's government here on earth. In other words, God's authority, God's way here on earth. So what I wanted to show is that the way that you bring God's plan to earth, the way that God's authority, God's government comes to earth is when someone takes what they've got and they bring it in union with the Father and that multiplies grace on the thing that you've brought Eventually the outcome is God, when all of the people were being fed, that was God's plan happening on earth. That was God's perfection, God's government. But the why, and you can go now, you can bring all of it up. The why, and, and it's not hard to work out, even if you hate maths, the two times five plus y equals 12, the why is two. Okay, everyone's got that? Just in case you had anxiety, it's okay. You're all right. And, and so what, because... Two times five is clear, but what's the other two? Because the only way that God's kingdom comes to earth, that's the end result, the 12, God's government on earth, God's way on earth. That happens when you bring what you've got and you bring it in a union with God. And because you brought it in a union with Him, that, that multiplied grace on the thing that you brought. And eventually God's government happens here on earth, but there's a part in between. It doesn't fully happen until you take the thing that you brought to God that's been multiplied by God and you allow another union to take place. You find another human being that you can come into union with and take the thing that's on your life that's been multiplied by grace. And when I give it to somebody else, that equals 12 because now God's government is happening here on earth. The formula for God's purpose is that every person in this room would take the thing that you've already got, bring it into union with the Father, allow grace to be multiplied, find another human being that you can give that thing to. And now the Kingdom of God is coming on earth. God's formula for purpose. And if you think about it, that is the simplicity of His purpose. We've all got something different 
but we all have to bring it to the Father in union with Him. When we do that, He will multiply the thing you've brought by grace. You find the more people you find to give that thing to, whether it's hospitality, whether it's uh, uh, you know administration, whether it's whatever it is, the more that you find other people to give it to, the more the kingdom of God is coming to earth. And so I want to just talk about a couple of these things. Let me just have a look. Just put the two times five up there. I don't really have points, but we're just going to talk about this for a moment. And like I said, we're just going to have another 10 or so minutes and then we're going to, I feel God's told me to pray into something. But the two times five is your gift in union with God so that it can be multiplied by grace. So simply the first part of this is you've got to identify what have you got. What's the thing that you've got? What, all of us have something different to offer. You might have, it might be a, a gift for worship. You might have a gift for entrepreneurship. You might have a gift for administration, a gift for hospitality, a gift for cooking. It doesn't matter what it is. But firstly, it's identifying what is the thing that you've got. See, I remember as broken as I came in that moment that I shared with you, when I was a little boy, everyone would say, oh, he could sell ice to Eskimos. And so even though I was broken, there was already a gift that had been put in that I could communicate. And for 23 years, I used that gift for darkness. The amount of that, what that gift looked like between me being, say, 15 and 23 was me talking my peers into doing things that they shouldn't do so that I could benefit selfishly. And I even remember a time once I got radically saved and I knew how good of it, I'd talk people in all the wrong things. And I remember one day saying to someone, oh, the devil created this, this great thing, do you know what I mean? But then God now has used it for good. And I remember God stopping me in my tracks and He said, don't ever say that again. I was the one that put that gift inside of you and the devil distorted it, but now I've redeemed it. And so the first thing is find the, the thing. What is different about you? What's that thing about you that you're naturally passionate about? You know, do you have a natural compassion or a natural mercy? Are you good with people? Identify what that thing is. You know, the great Mother Teresa, who the Catholic Church made her a saint, she created 700 missions all over the world that helped people to die in dignity. She became a voice to the world. She stood in front of the most influential people on the planet and stood up for God things. She raised millions of dollars to help people die in dignity. But Mother Teresa grew up in a small village in Europe. Her mum would always have the poor at their house eating food. Her mum said to her, whenever you take a mouthful of food, never take a mouthful of food unless you've already thought about who you could share your food with. And at 18 years old, Mother Teresa left to become a nun. She never went and saw her family again. But imagine looking at that 18-year-old girl. All she was was a girl that had been taught to look after the poor. All she was was a girl that had a little bit of compassion for the hurt and broken. There wasn't anything incredible. It was just this young girl with a bit of passion and she knew she had a compassion for the down and outs. 
But what she did is she said, I'm gonna take this little bit of compassion that I've got and I'm gonna come in a union with the Father and His grace is gonna multiply the gift and I'm gonna find as many other people that I can come in a union with, Indian people that are dying and no one will look after them and that there is the kingdom coming to earth. You gotta find. See, but the devil will do whatever he can and this is what we're gonna pray into. The devil will do whatever he can to break any part of this equation. Because if any part of this equation is broken, it doesn't equal 12. God's plan is His government to come here on earth. But if the devil can get into any one of these steps and stop you from one, identifying your gift, stop you from bringing your gift in a union with God, then the whole thing, stop you from giving it to someone else, the whole thing doesn't work. And the devil hates this equation. And he's working his hardest to, to break it up at any moment so that God's government does not come to earth. And so there's a couple traps. See, because the whole thing, when you bring in a union with God, the first thing Jesus did was lifted up their fish and loaves to heaven. See, the thing that makes it great is when you look at it through God's eyes. Without God's eyes, it's just fish and loaves. But when lifted up to heaven, the potential is endless. And a couple of the traps that can stop this equation is trap number one is when you look at the gift through your own eyes. And there's actually two traps within this first trap that can happen within that. See, you can look at your gift and a lot of people do this and then you feel disqualified because your gift isn't good enough. Well, I don't think there was that much special about looking at five pieces of bread and two fish. You might feel like your gift isn't that good, but I would put to you, I reckon it's better than five loaves and two fish. And if that's what God could do with five loaves and two fish, what could He do if you took that gift, even though it seems small, even though it doesn't seem like it could make a difference? See, but what the devil wants you to do is for you to just have eyes on it instead of getting in union with God. Because if you just keep your eyes on it, you fall into the trap of, well, my gift isn't that good. My gift couldn't really help people. Mother Teresa, all she had was, well, I've got a compassionate heart for the poor. She could have easily looked at that big deal. What is that? Who cares? But she didn't. She said, no, I'm going to take the little I have and I'm going to put it in the Father's hands. And I'm going to watch what He does. I'm going to watch grace be multiplied to it. See, the little that you have, the devil doesn't want number five, grace multiplied to what you have because then it becomes dangerous. So he wants you to keep your eyes and almost despise the gift that you have. Because if you despise the gift, he'll silence you. There's too many people that have a, a gift and you think, well, it's not that good or it's too small, so I'm not gonna really bring it to God because it's not worth it to bring it to Him. But think about what I brought to Him. Absolute brokenness. I remember it. It was like, I've got nothing. But if you'll have it, you can have it. And that's all He wants is for you, not, not for you to impress Him and, hey, look at all. No, He just wants you to come and say, hey, I might only have a little, but I'll put the little in your hands. I'll put the little in your hands. I'll take a step of faith and see what you'll do when grace multiplies the little that I have. See, God's not freaked out by your little. 
See, remember, He's the God that created something out of nothing. He created the whole universe out of darkness, out of nothing. If that's what He can do with nothing, what can He do with your little? What can He do with that hospitality gift? What can He do with that administration gift? What can He do with that business gift? But only if you put it in His hands and allow grace to multiply it. See, my gift didn't look like this today. It was just small, but in His hands. You know, sometimes when we read about the talents, you can sometimes think that it's unfair. Because why did one guy get one talent, the other's got five and ten? Well, how do you know that the guy with ten talents didn't start with one? How do you know that he didn't start with one talent and he turned one into two and then he turned two into four? Because the thing is, you might feel that your gift is insignificant and small, but the way that God will multiply the gift is when you'll take the little that you've got and keep putting it in His hands, then He'll start to give you more. You'll start to be faithful with the little that you've got. But if you don't put the little in His hands, then you'll never get more. So the other trap that you can fall in on this same kind of thing it is, it is like I said, when you look at it yourself instead of in God's eyes, you either feel like your gift isn't good enough or you feel like your gift is better than it really is. And the trap of gifted people is that I've got this incredible gift that everybody should recognise. And now because I think the gift is so good, I don't really need to put it in God's hands because it's pretty good by itself. But imagine what that great gift could do if you would put that great gift in the hands of the Father and He started to multiply it by grace. See, when you've got that kind of gift, what we call those people is gifted. That means you were gifted. So it wasn't yours anyway, you were gifted. And now you're so proud about how gifted you are because God gifted you that ability. Then you say, well, I've got this, so I'll just do it by myself. See, sometimes gifted people do that because they're scared of losing control. Because if I keep the giftedness in my own hands, I can control my destiny. But if I put it in God's hands, who knows what's gonna happen? But let me tell you, what will happen is you'll live the most fulfilled life that you could ever live. You'll live a purpose that you never dreamed of. He'll take that gift that you've got. He'll multiply it by grace. You'll feed people all over the planet. The other trap is, and this is such a big one, is that you look at your gift through someone else's eyes. It's called comparison. Why did she get four fish? How come her fish is better looking than my fish? And see, as soon as you're looking at someone else's gift instead of yours, you're not, stepping, you're not bringing your gift into union with the Father and grace is not multiplied. That's why the devil wants us to be all so stuck in comparison. Social media has some incredible benefits, but it also has some incredible curses or potential curses. When we flick through and all we do is we enter into comparison. And now instead of me looking at the little that I've got and bringing it to the Father in union, I'm looking at everybody else's and, the, and I'm feeling disqualified. How could I do anything great? Because look, I mean, he's got 10 fish and she, her fish can do this and this fish can jump backwards and but my fish is just small. 
and then all of a sudden you're disqualified. I remember the first time, it was actually the second time I ever preached. It was a long time ago, I don't know, maybe 17, 18 years ago. And the first time I preached, it went really well, you know, for a first time preacher. And then I preached again. I was all fired up. I was ready to go. I had my whole message. I practiced it about 10 times. Every time I practiced, it was like 35, 40 minutes. I'm like, all right, I've got to bring it down a bit. That's a bit long. And then I get up to preach. It's about 80, 90 people. It was a young adult night. It was a Saturday night church service. I get up to preach. And somehow, because I'd practiced it so much, I got a few minutes in and somehow I jumped to the end of the message. And after seven minutes, I was done. And I didn't have the ability to kind of go back and work out where I left off. So I said, uh, bow your heads. And, and we prayed a prayer and see if anyone, no one got saved. And I remember people coming up and encouraging me saying, oh, it was good. I thought it'd go a bit longer. I remember just a funny story when I first started to preach full time all over the world. And we stepped out in faith about eight, nine years ago. It was my second weekend of full time preaching like I've been doing for the last eight, nine years. And a friend of mine, he invited me to this great church in Perth, Australia. His sister was the pastor. And so I do this meeting and the young adult camp goes amazing. People are getting touched and it was, it was an incredible weekend. And then I end up down the front. I'm about to now preach on Sunday morning and I'm just stepped out, just started. And I'm talking to the sister who, my friend's sister, who's the senior pastor of the church with her husband. And she goes, oh, I used to come to your church, you know, every now and again on those Saturday night things you did. I'm getting ready to preach. And as a joke, I go, oh, you weren't there when I did my seven minute message. She goes, yeah. <laughs> she said to me, she goes, when my brother said we should get Lucas Connell, I said, have you heard him preach? <laughs> See, but I remember so often that even as a preacher, I would compare myself to everybody else. And I'm a far better preacher today because I stopped comparing myself. I made a decision that I'm not gonna be T.D. Jakes. I'm not gonna be Judas Smith. I'm gonna be Lucas Connell. I'm gonna bring the gift that God's given me and I'm gonna present it to the Father. And I'm gonna say, would you breathe your grace on it? And would you help me be what I've been called to be? Come on, we need to stop comparing ourselves. God doesn't need you to be someone else. He needs you to be the you, the unique you that He made. But not the unique you by yourself, the unique you surrendered in union to the Father so that He can breathe grace and then give it to others so that the kingdom can come to earth. Just if the keyboarder could come. You know, and then just, just let me give this point. And this is the, the, the plus why, which is the, the giving it away. The taking the thing that's been multi, it's the serving. It's taking the thing that God's given you and then giving it away. Remember I was talking to Pastor Jürgen just a couple of weeks ago and we're talking about you know, the, how we all make pledges in, in the church to, to advance the kingdom, which is incredible. But I remember he's saying to me that, you know, he was gonna start talking about the fact that that the breakthrough isn't in the pledge. The breakthrough is in the fulfilment of the pledge. See, the breakthrough is not just when you bring the gift and come into union with the Father and He puts His grace on it. The breakthrough is when you take what He's done and give it to somebody else. See, it's one thing to pledge a whole lot of money. And that takes guts and faith, but the breakthrough comes when you action and fulfil the pledge. 
It's like the story where God spoke to Elijah and He said, go to Zarephath and there's a widow that will provide for you. See, your provision is always where God's called you to be, not where you are right now. See, the way God operates is go first and then I'll provide. So often you've taken the gift, the little, and He's multiplied it by grace, but you don't really feel anything yet. But by faith, you act out anyway and say, you know what? I'm gonna start to give the gift away. I'm gonna go and prophesy over someone. I'm gonna bless someone financially. I'm gonna get on a serving team. I'm gonna serve children. I'm gonna be an usher. I'm gonna be a welcomer. I'm gonna start a business. And the miracle comes when you act. I'll finish with this. I think of a beautiful lady, my auntie, who prayed for me for 17 years. Since I got born again, my mum got saved, my dad, my sister, aunties, uncles, grandparents, all because of one lady that prayed for 17 years. You know, just yesterday in Australia, Sunday, my brother-in-law, who is the biggest heathen that you could ever possibly meet. I'm talking, if you wanna hear some swear words, like the real bad ones, get around him. I've known him for 10 years. I've never seen someone more anti-God than him, where he'll say things like, anyone that believes that is brainwashed. You're an idiot. How could you believe in God? It's full of rubbish. Even to the point, my little nephew, he's five years old. He'd tell his nephew, because my mum's a Christian and she always you know, speaks Jesus to my nephew. But the dad will say, don't ever believe in that rubbish. It's just junk. But you know, this Sunday, We've been working on it for 10 years. He went to church and he's still on a journey. But you know, his little boy, when the altar call come, his little boy lifted his dad's hand up. And he, he didn't get, he's not radically saved yet. But the thing is, he enjoyed it. And he said, look, I wouldn't go every week. And they've now committed for now to go once a month where they'll go to church. But all that back to a lady who was an auntie that didn't see any fruit for 17 years. And I I don't think she'd mind me saying this, but she didn't have any great special gifting. She was just a really kind lady. She had compassion for her whole family that none of them knew Jesus. And she just made a decision. There was no spectacular gifting but just a compassionate and kind heart with the love of Jesus. We, we, we mocked her. When I was 16, 17, it'd be Christmas time, Jesus' birthday. And my mum and all of my aunties and uncles would be letting us drink bourbon and get drunk at 16, 17. And she'd be sitting there and you could tell that it really rocked her. And we would even say things where we'd mock her and say, come on, well, you're not even living your life. But for 17 years, she just took the little bit she had. And she said, I'm gonna put it in union with the Father. And I'm gonna let His grace come upon my little. And I'm gonna give it to my nephew, to my niece, to my sister, to my parents. And then eventually God's government is now in earth. And all of the fruit of my life comes back to that little lady that didn't have a lot, but the little that she put in God's hand became a lot. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, 
go to awakenchurch.com. 